Hello and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry. And today we continue with season three where we are delving into 70s movies, arguably the best decade in cinema history so far. And it's only fair that I talk about one of the greats of all time, the 1979 war epic Apocalypse Now, directed by Francis Ford Coppola and starring Martin Sheen, Robert Duvall, Dennis Hopper, Harrison Ford, Lawrence Fishburne and Marlon Brando. If ever a film is superseded by the production and the tales of misery, persistence, dedication, controversy, then there would only be a handful of films, but of those handfuls, and it would be a very short handful, top of the list would be Apocalypse Now. Many have heard of this film as one of the greats, but many might not know why. The fact is, the film may be more famous due to the making of the film rather than the finished product itself. However, as dazzling and visually beautiful as the film is, the film sits on the backbone of a three-year production period of absolute perseverance from Coppola to make this epic adaptation from Joseph Conrad's novel, The Heart of Darkness. The novel itself, complex in nature and yet was only adapted to a shooting script simply out of a dare. It was there that John Milius and Coppola sat down together and adapted the brilliant Joseph Conrad novel into what we see today as one of the most surrealist experience in a Hollywood movie. Pop culture has determined the survival of this movie for 40 years and still counting with the famous Ride of the Valkyries track and most notably famous lines that echo still today is one of the most referenced lines in Hollywood today. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Said by Oscar nominated Robert Duvall in this movie where he shares just 11 minutes on screen in this movie and that's nothing compared to Marlon Brando who doesn't even appear until two and a half hours into the movie and his total screen time is 15 minutes. These are traits of a movie trying to be pretentious above the rest, simply adding hotshot names for limited times to get a rise of the audience. However, that's only the assumption at first glance. The story is simple and dates back to Greek times. The short cameo may be well justified and not in fact pretentious. If ever someone wants to write a story, the most famous tales to take inspiration from are those of Greek mythology. Tales of men travelling to seek a destiny, or a villain to kill, or a prized possession. And those tales are about the journeys, the people they meet on the way, the obstacles they face in unfamiliar territory while in pursuit of their goal. Now Odysseus' long journey home, his only goal was to see his wife and kids. Along the way, we meet heroes and engage in battles like the Battle of Troy and meet the fallen mighty Achilles and King Agamemnon, characters who in their own rights are protagonists themselves. And this is why Robert Duvall and Marlon Brando's brief appearances are well justified. The film is simply ahead of its time, dating back to Greek orthodox storytelling rather than the conventional Hollywood structured narrative. In this case, we have Captain Willard, played by Martin Sheen, given a special mission to travel to the heart of the Vietnam border and cross into Cambodia to kill an ex-general, Colonel Walter Kurtz, played by Marlon Brando. And the colonel, once a decorated man of America, has appeared to have gone insane and somehow started a community where he is worshipped in the depth of the Cambodian jungle. And his mission is to simply find him and to kill him. The film offers a simple premise. It offers the backdrop of the Vietnam War, and yet the film takes a completely different tone and direction with its approach. It's a story of one man's journey during the Vietnam War, and many expected a lot more. Many expected a war film, and many even saw an advertisement as this has a war film falling in that genre. Even this podcast has advertised this movie as a war film. However, it's closer to a spiritual awakening than an epic war film. 
Apocalypse Now, the film that resonates greatness, cinematic brilliance and a legacy. But why? What is so enduring about this film? What makes Coppola's Vietnam movie stand alone amongst the others? Why have these quotes lasted until today? Why is The Ride of the Valkyries one of the greatest war scenes of all time? What does this film even mean? I mean, it's a Vietnam movie that has nothing to do with the war. It's the location and the backdrop. It's like doing a rom-com movie whilst King Kong is wreaking havoc in New York City. You know, King Kong is only there on the news whilst Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan fall in love. This is basically what Apocalypse Now is trying to do, or has done. Coppola had an extreme vision, and he went above and beyond to make this film what it was today. It's almost ridiculous to think that this film has lasted the time that it has. Watching it today, you expect a purpose considering the story. Well, today, this is what we're trying to briefly look at. Does the experience of the film have to have a meaning? Or can it just be a three-hour ride of visual artistry and a mundane story that breaks off at different parts? Coppola even says that he knew this film would be weird. This film would be classed as strange. Something people may not understand. The film itself is just simply ahead of its time. The avant-garde of the past becomes the wallpaper of the future. Stuff that is strange and advanced later on will become quite accepted and contemporary, and this is exactly what happened with Apocalypse Now. The film itself was scheduled for roughly 16 weeks of filming, and that's what, three to four months? And the movie ended up taking over 15 months to complete. 15 months, that's almost a year and a half. The budget started at $12 million. Eventually, as production went over the four months, the budget, of course, began to increase, eventually doubling to $25 million. Coppola had to take a loan from United Artists to run over the overruns. He got $10 million, to over, he got 10 million from United Artists, and then he went over the budget again. The movie started in 1976. By 1977, Coppola needed more money, and he ended up offering his car, his house, and even his profits from The Godfather to finish the movie. He even he had to have it a certain way. Coppola then went as far as mortgaging his house and his vineyard, which added another $7 million on top of the budget. And in the summer of 1977, obviously his good friend George Lucas had just come off doing Star Wars, a massive hit, and Coppola asked Lucas for some money, and then the movie was pushed back another year to 1978. And then when it was finally finished in, in the, the, the late 1978, it was released in 1979, three years after they finished filming. There's even a scene where there's two characters who, I mean, they pull the boat over to fetch some mangoes and then a tiger scares them off. It's literally like 15 seconds in the movie. Very quick. And in reality, the difference in time between the two shots was more than a year. It's ridiculous. I can't, you know, it's, it just goes to show how much time was spent doing this movie. The film was in danger many times in not being completed because of how demanding and pedantic Coppola was being during this movie. Godfather may be one of the greatest movies ever done, but the movie movie you know but this movie was Coppola's masterpiece simply because of all of this the struggle the pain the controversy it went through he shot over 200 hours of footage 200 hours an average film as, as you know is two hours he lost over a hundred pounds while filming the movie he almost committed suicide a dozen, a dozen times during this movie his marriage was on the rocks because he cheated on her during the production of the movie there are not many movies that have another film that is about the making of the film the heart of darkness i think it came out in the early 90s if you've seen apocalypse now and you haven't seen that i would go watch it it's so interesting to watch it watching 
tension, the stress that everyone's going through, especially Coppola and his wife and the way the movie came together. It's just amazing that the movie exists today. And the movie itself took three years to edit. There were so many complications. I mean, Martin Sheen, who was going through an alcohol addiction during the movie, suffered a heart attack, and that stopped production for a bit. Coppola, who was relentless, even got his brother and even his son, Charlie Sheen, to do some voiceovers and act as a stunt over while he was recovering. And funnily enough, his son, Charlie Sheen, also suffered an alcoholic, as we all know, alcohol problem, drug addiction, sex addiction. But not only that, he starred in his own Vietnam movie, Platoon, and that movie actually ended up winning the Oscar for Best Film. The film, however, nom- was nominated, but it didn't win, only walking away with two Oscars. I think Apocalypse now only won for cinematography and sound. So technically speaking, Charlie Sheen's Platoon is the more superior out of the two. However, as time has passed on, I guess the legacy of Apocalypse Now as Trump, the 1986 Oscar winner. You know, that being said, though, Apocalypse Now became the first film to be ever awarded the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival before it was actually completed because the Cannes jury was unable to come to a unanimous vote. So the film shared the Best Picture Prize with The Tin Drum, I think, and that was in 1979. I mean, the story is all about a journey, as most films are, but it sort of plays on the character's weakness, in this case, the weakness of our main character. I mean, the soldier who has been assigned this special mission, the opening scene where he's in his room and just going apeshit, smashing mirrors and getting drunk is obviously the signs of PTSD or maybe just even confusion of his role in Vietnam. We, we know he's a captain and we assume he must be good to be given this mission. However, all we start to see is a broken man. The scene in the hotel room, by the way, was Martin Sheen actually drunk and Coppola was shouting at him with insults to make him angry. So he smashed mirrors for real. He was punching everything for real. I mean, that scene is very authentic. But there seems to be an attraction now to heroes that have faults, minor weaknesses, and this sort of goes back again to Greek mythology days where the great warrior has this, you know, minor weakness like uh, his heel or kryptonite, and it goes back even further than that. And storytelling has always played on these big, dominant, heroic characters who have these minor, everyday weaknesses. And it's it's now quite generic that our main characters are usually humane and have everyday weaknesses battling with addiction or separation or mourning a loss. And this is true to pretty much every contemporary hero right now. I mean, if you just look at it from a uh, perspective, what John McClane and Die Hard of a long distance relationship, Martin Riggs and Lethal Weapon, who's just lost his wife and wants to commit suicide, loss of a child. There's, there's common themes now to every main character to make the film more humane. And Apocalypse Now really plays on this with Captain Willard and the film, you know, and it sort of explores his journey, his reactions to everything that is going on around him. And the movie loses his focus. It sort of just drops the focus on the actual mission, but yet more the discovery about Captain Willard and you know it's only until two and a half hours into the movie do we actually remind ourselves that he's there to kill someone although in the novel he's there to rescue him but that's a minor difference from the book to the film the movie exists now in many forms and in many interpretations too I mean the movie started off as a 289 minute work print version which came out on VHS a while back but it was actually released and that was the shorter version and it was submitted into Cannes that was the version that was submitted into Cannes and it was a work in progress, and it, and it lasted about three hours and ended up winning, like I said, the highest award at the festival. He then had some time to edit the film properly and shorten the film and re-released it in the autumn of 1979. So that was the official movie that was released into cinemas, the movie that everyone saw for the first time, which is almost about two and a half hours, um, 147 minutes is what I've got here. And then that version spawned another version with some credits, some without. And that was in, it was done, I think he reconverted it to 70, 70 millimeters and then he added a credit sequence. 
and then he re-released that like five years later and then you jump to 2001 and then Coppola released what we call the Redux version which premiered again at Cannes this one was like 196 96 minutes long without credits and much longer than the ver- first version at Cannes and the reason he probably cut back all the footages was because he didn't believe people was ready for the whole version of the movie yet and it, and it would actually affect the box office that's why he held back in 1979 and then he re-put those scenes out for like the cinephiles to see what everyone was missing to see the true version of it and then that came out in 2001 because he believed people already and then we had another version come out and that was for the 40th anniversary which is like 175 minutes long without credits and is therefore 20 minutes shorter than the redux version but also 30 minutes longer than the fretical version at the time and he calls this one the final cut um, but if he wants to follow Oliver Stone's example, he can make an ultimate cut after the final cut in a few years later. But that's another story, which he did with Alexander, if you've ever seen that. So, yes, I bought the 40th anniversary Blu-ray version and I watched the final cut. And that's probably the version I would recommend if you haven't already seen it. Existing today, even with a revamped 40th modification edition, the film still holds sensitive to a lot of people. The film itself, like I said earlier, involved a lot of controversy on and off screen. I mean, the film reunites Coppola with Marlon Brando and, in fact, Robert Duvall from The Godfather. I mean, with Marlon Brando, there were so many issues of him alone. He didn't he didn't get on with Dennis Hopper. He was having fights with Coppola. And bear in mind, this was a 16-month shoot, and he was only there for two weeks. Two weeks. Francis Ford Coppola believed that Marlon Brando was familiar with Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, which is the novel which the movie is based on. And when Brando arrived on set, Coppola was horrified to find that Brando had never read Heart of Darkness, didn't even know his lines. And it also, he had become extremely overweight. Now, in the novel, Kurt, who he plays, has always been written to be quite tall and very thin. And after some panic, Coppola decided to film the 5'7 Brando. That's how tall he is. Um, as he's because he was massively built, he made him look like he was six five, and he explained it sort of explains his size, and he kept the cameras away from his huge belly. This is why Marlon scene is very much done in the darkness and from low angles to resonate his high big character, where in fact the truth is just a massive cock up between the director and the actor, mainly the actor. And the iconic first scene where the helicopter is napalming. I don't know if that's the right verb, but I'm saying it anyway, napalming. But that scene where the napalm just takes out the forest took one year to complete. One year. 10% of the entire film's footage was for the whole sequence. I mean, it is a spectacular scene and visually amazing. But Jesus Christ, the lengths they went to do that. And it's sort of it's sort of why this film is heavily remembered and to the annoyance and disappointment of environmentalists this was a real forest around 1200 gallons of gasoline were poured over the palm trees and set alight then they even burnt the tires on the ground to create more smoke while canisters were dropped onto the area to looking like napalm there were acres of forest destroyed in just a matter of seconds the issue with certain environmental, uh, environmentalists wasn't really an issue because they you know, they were filming in the Philippines and they were actually in the middle of a civil war at the moment with the rebels. So it wasn't really the top thing in their mind that they were burning trees. But if they did this in the States, then Coppola admitted they would have had a serious environmental issue. And obviously another controversy with this film, besides the actor's refusal to obey and medical interruptions, was the uh, ritual of the slaughtering of the water buffalo at the end of the movie. I mean, the scene itself is both graphic and disturbing because it's for real. Many were against this, but Coppola stayed true to his vision. I mean, that being said, though, he has denied being there when he directed that movie, instead just witnessing the tribe doing it as part of their everyday living and decided to just film it. (laughs) 
However, if you watch the 1990 Heart of Darkness, which is the documentary about this movie, you can see him directing people chanting and setting up lights. So it's sort of hard to watch that scene. But yet again, it's just another reason why this film is known as very authentic and real and very raw in terms of narrative storytelling. He just doesn't hold back with anything. And some would argue that it's true reason why filmmakers do what they do is to show you what the world is. The fallen hero, the journey of the fallen hero whilst on a journey of self-discovery, the reality of the environment during Vietnam War or any of the wars that have happened in history, the torturing of animals in local tribes around the world and even today in the Western world. To do these things for real, for an entertainment purpose, maybe why people have raised an eyebrow, especially with this generation today. However, back in 1979, visionaries like Coppola wanted to express the raw, bleak period of the 70s and really express to you know moviegoers what life is really about. You're not watching a movie to be entertained sometimes, but yet, yeah, but reminded of the bleakness of the world we live in through a journey of a fallen man in an event that has just ended. I mean, the film, of course, like most films, are not for everyone, but there does lie a message, a moral to the reason for making this film, and I believe it was evident in 1979, or technically 1976. Well, it wasn't. It was filmed then and wasn't released in 79. And the moral about being on the journey is about the experience of it. It's a cliche term, but it is never about the destination. Rather, yet it is always about the journey. And the film takes extraordinary measures in telling that story with real backdrops based on a real event that happened in the world. I mean, the film will probably still survive for many decades to come, especially now. I don't think anybody will have the support of studios or the public to make a film the way Coppola did with Apocalypse Now. And someone actually asked me on Instagram about the title of this movie and where did it get come from? And, you know, because considering the title of the book is called The Heart of Darkness. And the reason is because of that matey that did the screenplay, John Milius. So there was um, apparently there was um, a very popular tattoo amongst the uh, hipster community of a peace sign. I think everyone knows it, Nirvana now. And uh, Milius, he just basically what he did, he drew it out, the actual tattoo. He just added a couple of extra lines and edited the peace symbol to make it look like a circle with a B-52 bomber in the middle. And then he just changed the slogan to Apocalypse Now, which is in the movie as a piece of graffiti. And that's where the title came from. I mean, the movie is quite the joyride. It's controversial, it's surreal, and it exists now as a masterpiece ahead of its time beyond what others dreamt of attempting. It's why Apocalypse Now is remembered. He went the extra stretch and it really shows. Imagine cooking a good piece of meat. Needs time and dedication to make it good. Or you can stick a frozen piece in the oven. Same meat, different approach. This is why The Godfather, and more specifically Apocalypse Now, will live on many decades to come as one of the greatest movies ever made. And I was reading somewhere something quite interesting that Coppola had this vision of wanting the film to be a special event by having it play in exactly one theatre somewhere in Kansas in the geographical centre of the country, built especially for the film with a specially made sound system where the film would run continuously for 10 years and then hopefully anybody who wanted to show the film in the theatres would have to approach Coppola and exhibit it on his term. I mean, this sort of the mind of someone who probably should be existing in the peak of today, not in the 70s. However, someone once said, the avant-garde of the past is the wallpaper of the future. And first, you need that artist to pave the way for others, to set the bar at a height where others will hopefully reach. Well, Look, that's all I have time for for Apocalypse Now. I mean, I could talk about Apocalypse Now for a long time. There's a lot of other things to say about it, but I won't bore you with the details of that. But just watch any of the versions. The Blu-ray version, I think, is the best, the 40th anniversary edition. 
But please subscribe to me on Spotify or iTunes or Google, also on Instagram with the latest film news and also upcoming podcasts, and that's Film Exploration AH, or lowercase, or one word. So once again, thank you for listening to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry. Ash Hurry.